Hi, and welcome to an episode of the JetRails podcast. Today, we're going to be talking about how partnerships are impacting e-commerce ecosystems. In essence, uh, what partnerships are, are doing, not doing, uh, improving, uh, etc. in the e-commerce world. And that means a lot of things to a lot of people. So joining me today, I've got uh, Rachel Jacobs, who's an expert in uh, partnerships, especially around the e-commerce world. Uh, Rachel and I share some affinity there. So, uh, you know, I, I think that uh, we'll keep each other honest today. And um, with that, Ra Rachel, would you mind introducing yourself? Yeah, thanks for having me. Um, so my background is um, I over 10 years in uh, marketing and partnerships. Um, back then when I started doing partnerships and relationship marketing, um, and I've been in the SaaS world for years, uh, specifically in startups, did the whole you know, AWS uh, startup, Silicon Valley bubble, which is really exciting, and then fell into e-commerce and worked um, for an e-commerce company, uh, e-commerce SaaS company, and um, specialized in the partnership side, so building partnership side with agency partnerships and then partnerships or nurturing, further nurturing the partnerships with the e-commerce platforms. Um, and then, of course, I went to the dark side and joined an agency. <laughs> so uh, I should have known better. Uh, I joined an agency and I kind of came into an agency and absolutely loved it. There was so much for me to get my teeth stuck into. So I was on the completely the other end of things. Um, I was on the partnership side where all the SaaS partners wanted a piece of you or they wanted you to, to sell their platform and uh, their solution into their clients. Um, so I did that for a number of years, um, built out retainer models, uh, built out a retainer model for the agency. And I, and I realized that the best way to collaborate, especially in e-commerce, SaaS and agencies and platform and the brand or the end customer was a solid retainer model. Um, so as soon as this light bulb went off, which happens so frequently, so when it happens, it's quite a shock. As soon as that happened, I realized I had a bit of a business model. Um, so now what I do is I work with agency partners uh, or e-commerce agencies to basically help them build out their processes, their systems, and specifically retainer models because it's cash in the bank. Um, so, yeah, that's that's basically my background in the industry. Fantastic. Um, so, you know, and I guess a bit of a the opposite of, of my journey where I started on the agency side and then, you know, have joined on the uh, the technology partnership side, uh, you know, working my way through. So interesting. And, you know, I've been involved with some organizations uh, like the Cloud Software Association, which I think is fantastic. You know, it's it's a growth industry. It's an evolving industry. So finding resources can be tough. But, you know, as someone that partners with a lot of agencies, I, I can imagine that you're in pretty high demand. Uh, given that there are so many that are trying to understand where they're efficient, where they're not efficient, um, mm -hmm. where there is a, a better mousetrap, um, because it's inherently, uh, I like to think it, it's a labor of love for many, but it's not necessarily an easy uh, no. industry. No, certainly not. One of my uh, favorite people ever, Bruce Lee, super random, because when people say, who's your role model? And they're like, oh, Mandela, Mahatma Gandhi. And and I'm like, no, I, I love Bruce Lee. And he had a famous expression which said, um, uh, what's the expression? It is, uh, simplicity is the key to brilliance. And I love that. I, I, try to, um, I try to adopt that with my clients, with my business strategy. But with partnerships, it's so true. 
Um, with partnerships, the, the more you can simplify it, uh, the better. You know, I've seen some, I, I used to work with SaaS companies and help them build out their partner programs. In fact, I still do work with some SaaS companies, but mostly with platforms. And I work on agency enablement. So it's educating SaaS partners on how they can better um, work with their their agency partners um, but keeping it simple reducing the noise looking at be, being more strategic about it you know like partnerships is about value not volume just like everything in e-commerce whether it's an agency or a SaaS partner it's all about um, the value and I see a lot of the SaaS partners I know a lot of my friends in the industry they have I spoke to one last week and they said they have 500 now they're a big SaaS company I won't name them they have 500 agency partners and about, I think he said 75, 80% are completely dormant. Wow. So they contacted me because I'm working with a lot of agency partners. Um, and I have a great relationship with the SaaS world. You know, I'm a big personality in, in, in my small, in my very small uh, ecosystem. And uh, I have a lot of connections. So I always do my best to bring people together and, and create more of a collaborative relationship if I'm not the solution and somebody else is. Mm -hmm. So then, you know, somebody told somebody told somebody and then this big um, SaaS platform contacted me and just basically said, what do we do? How, how do we go after new partners or do we try and figure out something with the old ones? And I always say to them, you've got no business going after new customers, agencies, partners, whatever, if you can't take care of the ones that you already have. It's the same for um, SaaS companies, same for agencies. You know, I build retainer models for agencies. You've got no business bringing in new projects if you can't even satisfy and retain the people that you already have. Yeah, unless you find that you've just had the wrong target audience and it's obvious sure. that, and I've seen that happen, but that's the exception to the rule. Usually, I agree with you wholeheartedly that, uh, that there's a lot that you can do to optimize what you have before you go out on the hunt, uh, you know, too much, um, you know, th there's a give and a take that you don't want your, what I'll, I'll consider, you know, your partnership machine or your, your sales machine to break down. You don't want, you know, just to rest on your laurels and wait for attrition or anything like that. But, um, but, but there's a happy medium that you, you've got to be, uh, optimizing process and, you know, I, I know that you're uh, you're based in Ireland, so you're probably putting in a pretty interesting day between some of the the different folks that you work with uh, across borders. Mm -hmm. um, do you find I've got clients? Yeah, I've got clients in Europe, which is not too bad because there's usually a couple of hours of difference, so that's fine. And then a few clients in the UK, a um, couple of clients in America, which is uh, one of them is. Five hours of difference and one of them is six so that's fine that's totally manageable then i have one client in australia <laughs> so that completely i don't know how the australian thing happens um maybe i'm just posting on linkedin at weird times but all of a sudden australian system i used to do some had some clients out there so the the ecosystem there is very tight it's a small community um especially in comparison to ireland you know we've got more sheep than people here so um small ecosystem and you know it, i yeah i have maybe five or six agencies that i that i i'm talking with in australia but one dedicated client um so balancing that and then connecting them with different partners and trying to get the whole thing to sync up uh it's very interesting makes plays because you're starting from seven o'clock in the morning just to get to the end of their day and then you're finishing at seven eight o'clock at night just to get to the middle of your american clients yeah. um but sure it must be a glutton for punishment yeah. 
And so what are, are some of the types of partnerships that you're helping to foster between organizations or when you're, you're helping someone to envision or improve their, their partnership program? What are some of the different models that you've seen used? Depends on, so, so let's just say, um, I mean, with agency partners, it's a, it's a really, for, for me, it's very simple. You know, with an agency partner, you're building a retainer model. And, and from my experience and from my perspective, building a retainer model off the back of your, your key agency partners. So for example, if um, subscriptions, subscriptions is the easiest one for me to use because the agency I, I ran was, we did a lot of subscription work, but if subscriptions at the core of your business, it's very easy for you to pick the key technologies that not only are used for the subscription model, but that integrate so whether it's subscriptions, then you have something for loyalty, you have something for awards, you have something for average order value, you have something for analytics, and you have four or five, you have a little subscription, dedicated subscription tech stack. Um, so that's how partnerships builds and feeds in uh, from the agency perspective. And it's a win-win, you know, all the way around because the, the, the client is happy because they're getting results and they're getting the right technology for their requirements. The agency is happy because they're building out a relationship and serving the client. And of course, the SaaS company is happy because they're getting introductions, actually qualified introductions to clients that actually need the solution. And then their extended integrated technologies are also getting a piece of the pie. Um, then from the other side, it's, it's really interesting because I actually met with um, Magento team last week and we were having a similar conversation around sort of that ecosystem. Um, and I think that uh, traditionally the SaaS partners are always um, looking at the platform. So it doesn't matter what the platform, BigCommerce, Magento, WordPress, Shopify, whoever it is, to, to supply them. Um, with uh, customers and, and and prospects. And agencies are also looking for the same through their partner managers. But the reality is, you know, these platforms, especially some of the bigger ones, they've created such a big ecosystem that really what should be happening is the SaaS and the agencies should be looking at each other. Um, and also agencies and agencies and SaaS and SaaS, they should all be looking at each other and kind of figuring out, okay, so how do we work more efficiently and more effectively together to feed to feed each other like what does that relationship look like and that's kind of my that's the work that i do in the SaaS world or with some of the platforms that i do workshops with agencies on behalf of, of platforms around you know how you bring those two relationships together stop looking at the platform to feed you um because that's your technology and look at each other and start winning business and building your whatever your USP is. Again, I'll use subscriptions because it's an easy example for me. But if you're like the best of subscriptions, then be the best and collaborate with the other people that are the best in that field. Um, and then all that work will come to you um, because you're loud and proud about the, the results you can deliver. Yeah. I mean, I, I've watched a lot of the industry move from a more traditional affiliate network style where it's just, hey, you know, here's an affiliate link. If someone signs up with us for something that, uh, you know, you'll get your, uh, your commissions and such and move into more, you know, of that true strategic partnership model. Um, you know, how do we collaborate with each other? How do we, like you say, you know, how do we work together to bring something to market that brings more value to the end user? Mm -hmm. Um, you know, taking the focus away from just sheer economics and, um, better focusing, on the customer, I think is always a, a good strategy, you know, and these aren't all traditional referral relationships as a result. You know, some of these companies are, 
looking for leads. Some of them are looking for ways, like you say, that if, if you're an agency, you want to be the best at what you do. You want to be offering the, the best technology. For that matter, ideally, you know, and, and some of these things, you know, I've seen get lost along the way, but ideally, you know, if you're a platform, you want to be sending your leads to the best agencies that are going to be able to successfully launch a site that are going to have good quality control where the end user is going to be happy and they're going to launch and stay on the platform. So there's, uh, there, there's more than one way to proverbially, uh, you know, skin the cat here, um, you know, uh, with all deference to, to our animal friends. But um, I, I think that there's, there's an interesting way of, of looking at, at the industry. And so the fact that there are agencies and dev teams and consultancies, there are these SaaS companies and technology providers, there are these e-commerce platforms themselves, um, and, and there are others in, in the industry. I mean, here, you know, you have background with AWS and various mm-hmm. things in hosting. Here I am at JetRails, um, you know, seeing that web hosting almost, you know, has its own category uh, in, in the ecosystem and for partnerships and even, you know, let's say app developers, you know, that m- might, you know, so in speaking of Magento, when you've got teams that build extensions, they're not necessarily the same as an agency and they're not necessarily the same as having uh, pure SaaS solutions where this is what we offer, take it or leave it. Um, they've got, you know, custom offerings that are coming out and, and they can, uh, you know. They're still a valuable part of the ecosystem nonetheless. Absolutely. Super valuable. Yeah. So it's, uh, it, it is particularly interesting that all these players ideally come together. Um, what are the nature of, of some of these relationships, some of the net benefits that you run into? I know we've touched on, you know, referrals, everyone absolutely is always happy to have net new customers. Um, and we touched a little bit on, on customer success. What are some of the other things that you advocate for that you've been engaged in? I mean, well, ultimately, yeah. I mean, let's call a spade a spade. It, it, it's, it's a bottom line. It's about the bottom line. So it's not all fun and games and you're just doing it for the crack, as we say in Ireland. You know, it, it is about business. Um, however, I feel really strongly, you know, partnerships has been the core of, of every job I've had for the last decade. Um, so to, to do it in a way where everybody has fun, you're collaborating with good people um, and you're also encouraging and, and, and enabling each other to grow. That's something I feel super strongly about, especially SaaS partners, unfortunately, have a bit of a reputation from the agency perspective that they're kind of like bombarding you. Here's a referral, you know, here's a referral code. You can get 20% of $5 a month. You know, super exciting. Go and buy an ice cream once a year. You know, it's, it's not, I mean, that, where's the value in that? Um, whereas if a SaaS partner is coming in, and that's the work, the small bit of work that I do with SaaS partners now, um, or platforms, if SaaS partners are coming in and really thinking about not just how their solution is beneficial to the agency's bottom line, but how the SaaS partner and the agency are working together to be what's in the best interest of the end customer or the brand's bottom line. That's really what it's about. So it's not just about getting those leads and getting those referrals and hitting those targets, about how can you really work together strategically to achieve something amazing. I've seen some amazing agency SaaS or even SaaS SaaS integrations where they've achieved amazing results, you know, really game-changing results for customers and start like set set the path for something different just because they kind of got together strategically and creatively to figure out something that nobody else was doing. And really, you know, that's that's what's going to differentiate you as a thought leader or an expert in your field. 
So collaborating, you know, or, or, or building, nurturing strategic relationships, that really ultimately should be the, the end goal next to it being profitable. But you need to be thinking about how can this partner, how can they better um, position me as an authority in my space? Um, obviously, co-marketing, you know, that's that's super straightforward. That's that's an easy way to um, it's, it's a tried and t- tested part of um, strategic partnerships, but doing it in a way that it's not the normal, uh, not the norm. You know, okay, you can do blog posts together, but I mean, how many blog posts are getting published every day? But what else are you doing that's more exciting? Are you hosting workshops? Are you doing webinars? Are you doing podcasts? Are you doing exciting, you know, building together playbooks or ebooks that your end customer, your ideal customer can take an action. What co-marketing activities are you doing that's strategically beneficial for not just you or your agency, but also also the customer? Um, so yeah, it's it's more than just um, more than just money. And another thing as well, which I think is important to note is um, I always say to my agency clients, it's not your responsibility as an agency. You need to understand the technology, okay? You need to understand the technology in order to make the recommendation. So whether it's an email platform or whether it's a subscription solution or it's an analytic solution, you need to understand it. But that partner is there. That's their sales team. So all, all your responsibility really is to do is to open the door and bring them in and collaborate on the sales efforts. Because if you're potential customer sees that you're an expert in that field and you have access to all the contacts. I know for me personally in my business, one of the main reasons that agencies choose to work with me is because I've got a strong network. So if I'm going to make recommendations, I know that I can back that up with connections or introductions or people that they should be talking to. And it's exactly the same for an agency if they're trying to win a new client. If you can bring experts in, it saves them the hassle of having to do it. And the SaaS partner should be um, encouraging that and, and making sure their agencies are aware that, look, here's our playbook. This is what we can do. If you need us on a sales call, we'll be there. We'll help you sell that in. We'll help you get that project over the line. Um, you do that a couple of times and it's a win-win because that agency is always going to come come to you uh, because you're helpful. Yeah, that uh, I love co-selling. I, I love support that's interconnected, whether teams are using Slack together or um, you know, whether they just have, let's say, some level of partner support and, you know, engineers are connected with each other, uh, you know, on product teams or, or support teams. It, it's huge because the way I look at e-commerce um, and I talk about it, it's a village, right? You know, it takes a village to successfully operate uh, a growing e-commerce site, especially by the time you get to mid-market or, or enterprise sites between the shipping and the payments and the taxes and the, you know, the, the various things that are going to relate to the front end and user experience and the, you know, the checkout and it goes on and on. And so the better that you can work together to sell something together that makes sense, that, that fits like a glove for the end user, for the merchant, um, the better that you can then support that user without finger pointing, with actually resolving issues quickly and efficiently, because something's going to come up at some point. Mm-hmm. Um, these systems are too complex to think that as software updates come out and standards change and what have you, that these companies aren't going to need to work together at some point to accommodate. So being able to work with folks that, that are going to meet those those needs is is really phenomenal. Um, 
I wonder, um, how do you feel about some of those uh, fee structures? You know, I, I know that we've talked a little bit about, sure, there are some kind of, you know, rev share commissions or bounties in, in many cases for bringing a, a net new customer over the line from one company to another, whether it's going in a particular direction from the agency to the SaaS company, SaaS company to agency, the platform, the web host, the, you know, that, that sometimes those things are going to come into play. Then again, you've got companies like Magento that in many cases, they're going to offer uh, a partnership based upon paying annual fees uh, on top of, of any, uh, any other uh, commitments, um, you know, to pay for certifications, to um, maybe refer a certain amount of business that, that they may have tiers where you have to, uh, you know, hit certain metrics. So, you know, you're pressured to recommend certain licenses and certain products. Do you feel that there's maybe a a breaking point um, to some of those things, or um, you know that from the other side that if you there are so many agencies that build Magento sites, if you want to be a Magento partner, are those do, are those things completely logical and and are they reasonable? Do do they not change the paradigm too much? Because if you're getting all all of this money that you're making off of the Magento ecosystem, is it sort of paid to, to play? in a fair way, do you think that there's sort of a, maybe a tipping point in some cases for having an agency participate in those kinds of uh, partnerships or not? Well, I think it's interesting. You know, I know I work with a couple of Magento agencies, uh, have a couple of Magento agency clients. um, And it is interesting that they have to, especially because I came from a Shopify Plus agency. So it's a completely different world. You're not paying a premium. And then obviously then you have big commerce that I know that when they came out of the gate, there was a, you know, a payment scheme. Um, But I think from a platform perspective, when the expectation is for the agency to pay a fee in order to be an official partner, um and as other obviously there's it doesn't it goes without saying that magento is an unbelievable platform and i say this coming from the shopify world it's an unbelievable platform and you know especially for big customers um but as the other platforms become better and better and better i mean just look at shopify plus how much that has grown in the last 12 to 24 months like it's just grown so significantly in terms of like functionality and and tech and and how complex and technical the platform is and how much more you can do with the technology obviously it depends on the dev team that are um, using the platform but it's um what it can achieve for for brands you know the agency i and uh, we specialize in migra- migrations in from magento so i know how complex magento can be and i know that shopify plus in most cases can fulfill the majority of stuff in some cases there needs to be a bit of custom work and custom apps and and that's to be expected but then you have somebody like big commerce who's coming in who is you know very similar in terms of the complexity and the functionality and the type of dev that magento has um so in some ways as other platforms um grow in their technicality and they're not requiring a fee it's going to make more personally i I definitely see a a shift in this especially with you know in europe big commerce are making massive strides and then you have we we partnered up with them around headless commerce so uh, exactly some see some good things on the horizon there Um, lots of good things you know we're watching shopify and their inclusion of graphql and uh you Mm -hmm. know ability to to go headless as well we're even you know as a web host we're watching you know uh, as these 
communities continue to build more custom apps and need web hosting for those apps because they're yeah. fast. There's nowhere to put the apps otherwise. And we provide that, that mission critical service that makes sense for an e-commerce user. So, you know, we're, we're seeing some of the changes in, and growth in SaaS. Um, you know, we still see a majority of our Magento users choosing to stay on Magento as they look at, you know, upgrading or replatforming or doing what they need to do because it makes the most sense for them and in their particular businesses. Um, we love the Magento ecosystem. Uh, you know, it, it's a big part of um, who we are and, and what we do every day. At the same time, there's evolution and that's where I, I feel like, uh, you know, where maybe there was a time where the, the pay to play may have been a stronger mm -hmm. uh, use case for the Magento partnerships. Um, it, it may be at this point more detrimental um, just because it, it's causing agencies to feel like these other platforms are a better fit for them. Um, because in some ways they feel locked out or, or, or they feel, you know, uncomfortable um, with, with the Magento model. That's not to say that other models are perfect. Um, I know that at Shopify, there were a lot of rifts in partnerships sure, uh, over the last sure. year or so, some with some of their, their uh, technology partners like MailChimp, but some with agencies where mm -hmm. my understanding was that, that Shopify strengthened language to say you can't recommend any other platform to an existing Shopify user. and I think anyone with a little bit of hubris would accept that there's got to be some percentage, whether it's one or whether it's more of, of Shopify users that might be better suited on another platform. I'll just be kind about it. But yeah, and I think in many cases, you know, it was it was sort of seen from the outside looking in that for those agencies, we were Shopify Plus agency specifically. That's what we specialized in. So we don't have we did we didn't at the time have other platforms. Um, but for the other agencies, perhaps that had you know they were platform agnostic um i think maybe the the, <laughs> the preconceived idea was that those that were shopify only were favored versus them and look it's business you can you can understand yeah. why and with um, the growth that shopify had the reality is that uh, i i think it made sense to try to focus on a more so magento calls the herd by setting um by setting requirements of a certain number of referrals, let's say of a, a certain amount of, of revenue referred, um, that, that they've got thresholds they ask for, in some cases, large annual partnership fees. Um, they require amounts of, of developers and others to be certified. And so they set thresholds in order to limit the number of partners that they have to manage and maintain. And in many cases, mm -hmm. that makes sense. Uh, I suppose from Shopify's perspective, they may not be lockstep with that, so they have to find their own metrics to choose um, rather than flood the market with more partners than they can manage. Um, so I, I can yeah, see some the of the logic there. I think maybe that's the, the challenge is figuring out how do you actively choose uh, who you're going to let be a partner at what tier, at what level, um, and, and manage that process. Well, that has changed significantly, specifically with PLUS, so I think that's really, from my perspective, that's how where the culling, you know, comes in. Um, with Plus, they can be they can afford to be a lot more choosy, so they can set the bar much higher, and they can say, look, you can be a Shopify agency, um, but in order to be Plus, you need to, to to meet this set of requirements. And if you don't hit those, or if you know whatever the different requirements are, whether it's 
this number of plus clients or, you know, how involved you are in the ecosystem or meetups, workshops, whatever it is that you're doing, your marketing activities, but basically helping spread the word about Shopify. Um, that's how they'll call it. But one thing I will say, you know, doesn't matter what the platform is. Um, ultimately, it comes down to the, to the end customer, comes down to the merchant, right? You know, I was at a conference last week and I met with a couple of Magento agencies, one Magento agency who's all in the Magento. They're trained up in M2, M1. They're getting ready to move some of their clients over from M1 to M2 before the deadline next year. And another guy who were amazing, amazing at Magento. They were considered one of the best Magento agencies. Um, I don't know specifically in Europe, but I know for sure in Ireland, UK, they were considered one of the best award-winning. Uh, and they've actually decided that moving into M2 uh, or specializing in M2 is not in their best interest because their merchants don't want it. Their merchants are not happy to move to M2 and then 2.4 happens and then you know 2.5 will happen and then whatever mm -hmm. else happens. And then before you realize you've just spent 18 months and a couple of hundred thousand dollars just uh, you know moving into like moving house uh, you're yeah. moving house soon so can you imagine if you just moved house every six months you're like packing boxes and unfolding and then just doing that every yeah, six the, nine months the release strategy or you know in, in terms of the the length of support for a magento what i'll call you know uh a, a major version because they're not going to three anytime soon going to two has mm -hmm. been chaotic enough so from two zero to two one two one to two 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 three mm -hmm. to eventually 2.4, there's a new release about every year, and the length of support is probably averaging maybe two to three years maximum for one of yeah. these. So uh, so with that, you have to, even if you want to stay on, let's say, you know, 2.3, um, you could probably do that today until sometime in 2021, I, I, I'd estimate based upon uh, what Magento's published. But yeah, you, you have to stay on an upgrade path. There are, there's maintenance to be done. Um, I, I advise similarly that, yeah, that, you know, where an, a true SMB merchant might have been better suited in, in Magento at a different time. Um, mm -hmm. I think that Magento 2 is more complex. Um, and depending on whether you have in-house development, whether it's out, outsourced and what the expense is to that, um, that's why we're partnering with others like sure. BigCommerce. but. Uh, you know, we do see that, that there are, there's evolution there. At the same time, for mid-market and enterprise, we're seeing a lot of adoption of, of M2. You know, we're watching those numbers actively, obviously. You know, we have a vested interest in, uh, in seeing what our customers are choosing and um, allowing them to help to, to drive our knowledge and, uh, and our direction. And so it's, it, it is a mix. And, and SMB, for sure, is a changing paradigm more than, than any other part of the business, I think. Um, you know, but look, that goes back to the point that you made earlier, that this is about knowing who your customer is and where your sweet spot is. You know, for, for Magento, their sweet spot is the 100 million and up and over a billion customer. That's where they really are most powerful and most strong. Um, Shopify, obviously, plus is their biggest growth opportunity, but a typical plus customer, I mean, a, a, an ideal plus customer, somebody's doing 10 million and above. Um, the reality is there are there are a lot of clients or, or merchants who are on Magento that should never have been on Magento in the first place, but that's what the solution was. And that's well, yeah, it all you know, they, they, some of them got onto Magento ten years ago, and it was the yeah the, the, the best thing yeah. since sliced bread. So, 
Uh, you know, there are merchants that in my agency days, I, I was recommending at that point based upon their revenue, their, uh, mm-hmm. you know, their budgets to continue forward that rather than go to M2 that they consider something else. Um, you know, then again, I, I think that you can be doing, you know, in, in the low millions, you could be doing a few million in, in revenue and absolutely want to stay on Magento, see value in it, you know, depending on customization, depending on how much manifest destiny you want. Um, there's, uh, and I think at JetRails, we have a lot of customers that, you know, continue forward happily with Magento um, that are, you know, in, in those, you know, lower millions, not nearly at the hundred million mark, mm-hmm. um, you know, and doing five, 10 million a year, let's say, and not looking to ever leave Magento in the foreseeable future. Uh, it, it really is more of that personal choice, depending on your mix of resources. And of, yeah. It's your set of requirements. Yeah. Also in some cases, your growth projections, mm-hmm. um, you know, what's going to make sense, but absolutely. I think that more than ever that merchants are, looking at these things and they have options that they didn't have. Um, and that I think is powerful for the market. Um, so it's something that, that I, I think we can all appreciate regardless of exactly where we, we sit that choice, as long as it's not leading to analysis paralysis, as long as it's not leading to choice overload, that choice is usually a good thing for the end user. Um, that it's pushing these platforms to strive for better things Um, You know, we're seeing a lot of movement around progressive web apps and a lot of cool newer technology. Um, There's a lot happening in market that I I think is going to be powerful for the long run. That's going to have net value to businesses that are trying to compete with Amazon and marketplaces that are trying Mm -hmm. to compete with other channels um, and that need to differentiate, that need to have a smooth, phenomenal user experience, that need to have, you know, different value proposition for the consumer to buy from them as a brand, as a, as a website, as opposed to through the equivalent of a big box store or, uh, you know, or some third party. So. Um, and I think as well, just to that point from the agency perspective, what I would say is agencies just get so caught up in projects. You know, it's kind of the Achilles heel for agencies. Again, I'm super passionate about retainers and I feel really strongly that all agencies should have a retention, some kind of retention model in place because that's where the true growth is. Um, But projects are the blood. It's kind of the lifeline that, that, that an agency relies on. Um, But really what should be happening is agencies should be doing due diligence rather than just jumping feet, feet first into projects. They should be sitting down with the brand and saying, okay, let's do a proper discovery. This is a a project in itself, a paid project. Do discovery, let's do a proper brief to figure out what your requirements are, what what technologies you're using, what your long-term plans, your 12, 24-month plans look like in terms of technicality and functionality and figuring out, is this platform the right thing for you? Maybe this is not the right platform, but you still go away with a comprehensive brief that you can take to the right platform and the right agency because it's not just about, again, it's not all about bottom line, because what you don't want to do is an agency comes in and then you do a project and then six, 12 months down the line, they're like, oh, shit, I've, I've kind of outgrown this or this doesn't meet my requirements and we're going to have to do super complex backend dev middleware to try and fix and hodgepodge a solution together when really if you were on this right platform in the first place, you wouldn't be in that situation. But that, that responsibility falls with the agencies. They should be 
thinking about what's in again like partnerships you should be thinking about what's in the best interest of of the merchant of the brand absolutely if before you invest into a platform that in order to get return on investment you're going to want to be on for years you should absolutely be considering other platforms and if the experts that you're talking to whether they're in-house or whether they're you know a, a third party if they only know one platform and they don't really understand what the true options are those are often cases where you know i'm i'm not always a, a huge proponent about bringing in a consultant for anything and everything but absolutely there's there's tremendous value in getting the opinion of someone that knows multiple platforms uh reasonably um mm-hmm. you know that's worked on projects with multiple platforms and they can weigh in um you know just trying to tell the difference from some bland online uh you know i don't know review systems or such it won't really tell you the story about how mm-hmm. platforms stack up for your use case for the features and functionality that you need for the potential growth that you're going to have if you just talk to someone that's trying to sell you something they're not going to necessarily tell you all the cons they're going to tell you they've the got growth. you know they've got tunnel vision um yeah. and i think that ties in beautifully with the whole the whole topic that we're discussing which is partnerships that's where strategic alliances come in um i have an industry buddy you know i'm very much known for being in the Shopify world and have great connections there, e-commerce in general, but but specifically um, Shopify in uh, Europe. And I have a, an industry friend, acquaintance, whatever, and he's in the Magento world. He's a Magento consultant, works with brands, works with agencies, and he's really, really well known in that world. But he then, we went for coffee and he just said, look, Rach, um, I have a load of brands that are coming to me and they want out of M, they, they don't want to move to M2, they want another platform. And this is where the strategic alliances come in because he would be a strategic partner of, of mine. Um, and it's, it's easy for me to then speak to some of my uh, Shopify agencies or big commerce agencies and say, look, guys, have a load of M1 um, clients here that are looking at other platforms. Can I introduce you to this guy? And he'll tell you what the requirements are. And then likewise, that's a strategic partner. If I can help some of my agencies build relationships with other agencies that are on different platforms, they can, you know, refer work back and forth. And then I have Magento consultants who can refer stuff to other platforms when, you know, of course, these are clients that are looking at an alternative to M2. They want to find out what their options are. Mm -hmm. Um, So having those strategic, that wouldn't be specifically a strategic partnership. That would be more of an alliance. Um, Mm -hmm. So you guys are kind of working together together. strategically to kind of figure out what is in the best interest of the customer. Okay, maybe Shopify Plus is, is not the best for them. Um, maybe maybe it's big commerce or maybe Magento is not working, but maybe moving to Shopify is too much of a step. You know, it's, it's too different. So maybe moving into big commerce is, is more effective. Um, I feel like we've given a lot of light to Magento and, and Shopify, big commerce, give them a bit of love as well. It's a great platform. Um, it is. And, you know, one of the interesting things uh, you know, if we were to look at risks associated with some of these partnerships, you know, that obviously, you know, we, we touched on that there have been breakups between partners uh, there, you know, you can wind up with unhappy customers. They're, you know, not getting the right solutions. These companies aren't really uh, that well aligned. Um, certainly, you know, when we talk about things like co-marketing and what have you, you know, if things don't go well, you can waste resources spinning up partnerships enabling things that don't ever go anywhere. Um, But, you know, you also, in some cases, 
<laughs> there are frenemies out there. You wind up with competition from platforms. Big sure. commerce tries to be an exception to that rule where we've seen every year Shopify takes on another category um, uh, that they offer in-house. You know, they're an e-commerce platform that offers point of sale that now this year's announcement was uh, uh, that they were going to be offering fulfillment and logistics, that they were taking that on in-house. Um, they handle payments. Um, they The list goes on and on that at, at Magento, we've started in recent years to see some movement into a similar direction where they brought on Magento shipping and Magento, Magento payments is on, on the cusp, uh, you know, and, and certainly, uh, you know, they have Magento cloud. And um, so they've, in some cases, uh, you know, gone into direct conflict with their own ecosystem, big commerce, uh, their, their CEO, Brent Bellum, you know, they, they speak about not doing that, um, ab- about keeping the ecosystem healthy, keeping the partners strong, mm-hmm. um, seeing that as a, a good long-term strategy. Um, you know, have you seen anything around any, any of those uh, situations? You know, do, do you think that all these companies inevitably are destined to follow their, their own bottom line wherever it takes them? Or, you know, yeah, I think like that's big the commerce date. can hold the line a while. <laughs> Yeah, and I th- I think that's the I think that's the um, difficulty, particularly if you're in the likes of Shopify or Magenta world as an agency. You know, it, it sometimes it is a case of a race to the bottom, which doesn't really, you know, for me, it's it's all about. I don't believe in hourly based billing when it comes to agencies. Any of the agencies I work with, it's one of the first things I throw out the window. It's all about value, and I think in order to maintain that. Um, you know, level of expertise and 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 can pre- conceive value for the for the merchant. It it can't be about the bottom line. And I think that the strategy that's big commerce, where they're being more selective rather than like loads and loads of volume of agencies and everybody competing against each other, um, which can get a bit scrappy. Um, the best thing to do is to kind of keep the your experts or your agencies lean. Just like for an agency or a SaaS company, you want to keep your team as lean as possible. So it means that you're, you've got the best of the best. Um, and ultimately, you know, brands, that's something that will be super attractive for brands because brands are going to look at that and be like, okay, they've got really shit hot agencies that do amazing work and work with other amazing brands and, and uh, achieve, you know, achieve amazing results um, and something different. And that's really what it's about. It's not about volume. It's, it's, it's about, it's about value. Um, and once you get caught in this race to the bottom, you're, you're definitely doing something wrong, mm-hmm. particularly as an agency, particularly yeah. as an agency. And, and there are times when, work. yeah, it, Sorry, it, go on. It, it, no, it, it just, sometimes it doesn't make sense. You know, in my time in, in the agency space, we wound up uh, sticking with hourly. Sometimes that would cause us uh, some grief, sometimes a lot of grief. But it was hard because we were in-house in the United States. Our cost for web development was particularly high. Um, and scopes, we work on more complex projects on average. And so there were going to be, you know, we, we were more of a an agile scrum methodology, whether we always referred to it that way or not. But it, it wasn't this defined scope that was never changing. Um, and, and so if, if we didn't protect ourselves a bit, um, we would be in for some trouble. Whereas on the marketing side of the house, you know, we had flat rates for SEO or, you know, more defined rates for social media management or AdWords or o- other things. But, um, but it was particularly hard on the development side where we didn't know uh, exactly, you know, from one project to another, how many 
hours it was going to take to get that Magento patch in and to deal with any conflicts with the 40 Magento extensions in that particular website. Mm-hmm. Um, that the, the, There were challenges. And we knew that we never really wanted to be hourly, but we, whenever we tried another model, because we had slim margins on development, it was, uh, it, it was tough. Um, on design, for instance, we might have been able to do something a little bit different, but um, but but I find that at the same time we had to, you know, focus on. So we made more money in in marketing. I, I'd say uh, you know better margins and such. But at the same time, if you're going to service people with web development and you're going to bring these expensive developers on, you need some predictability. Um, if you sure. don't have enough, you need to pipeline, be able to, yeah, that, yeah. You know, enough bandwidth, then flow. people are going to be waiting too long and unhappy. Um, if you've got too much, your expense is too high and it, it's not working out for you from a business perspective. So, you know, folks that want, let's say a Magento agency, but don't want any kind of a retainer or commitment of any kind, you know, maybe, you know, at least there's a minimum threshold, but they want somebody at the ready every time something might, might go wrong. It's that's, just not realistic, you know? Yeah. Yes, agencies, they're not a booty call. You know, that's just not the nature of business. Uh, um, I, I think that, that well, that's what we're going to call this episode, agencies. <laughs> they're not just, a, <laughs> not just a booty call, not just here for a fun time. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, but I mean, that's the reality. If you want, I speak to, I've spoken to, oh my God, over well over 100 agencies in the last six months. And uh, it's just, it's the same problems over and over again. And the reality is, you know, agencies need to lead from the front. They need to be proactive. Yes, for a Magento agency, it's considerably more difficult to move away from RA billing. But ultimately, the way you need to think about it, if you're an agency owner, um, you know, the idea of being like, I'm not doing RA billing, it's like, well, how, how am I going to move into value? The longer you stay RA billing, the longer you you're penalizing your amazing team for the expertise they have. So doing something the first time they take 50 hours, they do it again, it's going to take 40, they do it again, it's going to take 30. And then over the space of a year or whatever, they're doing it 10 times, they'll get that down to 25 and they'll have automated. They're only getting paid for 25 hours worth of work. It's that classic um, story where, you know, you come in and your, your toilet's not working, your heating's not working and an expert comes in, a plumber, an electrician, and he goes in and 30 seconds later, he's like, yeah, it's fixed and it's going to cost you 500 bucks. And it's like, come on, man, you were here for literally two minutes. And he's like, I know, but that's 30 years of experience that that I spent learning. So I knew how to fix that for you immediately. And you immediately have hot water or your toilet is working immediately. You know, what's what's the value in that to you? And I think for agencies to really uh, have a bit of confidence and, um, you know, t- educate. It's an education piece for the, the brands, for their merchants. And to say to them, you're not paying me for my hands or what I can do. What you're paying for me is the expertise that I bring to the table. That's what you're paying for, the value that I bring to your business, which mm-hmm. kind of moves away from this project, project, project into long-term relationships, strategic partnership from an agency and their merchant, because effectively yes. that's what a retainer model is. That is the most powerful strategic partnership you can have as an agency and as a merchant, that collaborative uh, relationship where they're as invested in your success as you are and they're bringing all their toolkits and all their expertise and everything they're learning from the other brands to your benefit and saying, I did this with this client, another client, and this worked really well and it increased their conversions by 3%. You know, that would be amazing. And everyone has the same vested interest because, you know, not to say that life always goes this way, but for an agency, if you can get something, figure out, you know, building a better 
system to get something done in an hour instead of 10, well, you just lost nine hours of billable time. Now, yeah. that made you competitive. It made your customers happy. It, it might help you retain the, those customers, et cetera. But um, it's a different mindset. And I've definitely seen that come into play. You know, great. We just spent, you know, f I don't know, 50 hours building this thing that saves us five hours on every new build. Um, but are we going to get paid those five hours on every build? Or, you know, did we just eat this? How, how do we look at it? it? It's a difficult point when you're completely hourly. Yeah, difficult, but that comes down. That's a growth mindset, you know, that, and that comes from the top. You know, that's, that's an agency owner's mindset and being like, I, I don't give a shit whether we took 10 hours to do this instead of 50. The bottom line is that's the wealth of experience and that's yeah. the premium they're going to pay. Yeah, and if you yeah. push that to a merchant, you know, it's, it, it's a type of merchant. Again, this goes back to the same point. It's a type of merchant that you're going after. If you're going after a merchant who's going to respect you and value for your expertise, whereas a merchant's coming to you just because you're the cheapest or, you know, you'll, you'll deal with shit when shit hits the fan, you'll be the one to jump in as and when they need you, like a booty call, um, then that's a different type of relationship. You're not really building something that's strategic or long-term growth or valuable. You're just basically getting, getting shit done when it needs to get done. I mean, where's the value in that? Yeah. No, you know, at, at jet rails, um, you know, one of the things that, that I love about being on the front lines, sometimes representing the company is that we work that model. So, you know, you've got your rate, we're all in on support. Um, you know, it's, it's not that, uh, you know, that there aren't, um, you know, additional services that could be provided or other things out there, but we want folks to have a flat rate where we're basically they're, they're outsourced DevOps where mm -hmm. they know that we've got their back. We're monitoring and maintaining and managing proactively and they can sleep better at night. And we we've got their, their back that we are an extension of their team as opposed to maybe a traditional vendor. Um, and, and that model I think works in general when it comes to the industry um, that there's a beautiful thing about that, that there's a reason that we have a low attrition rate and um, we can keep our, our billing month to month um, because people want to stay. Uh, it, it's different than a lot of the, the older models where, you know, you're, people are trying to sell you in a multi-year contract and, you know, you're just scratching to get out of it <laughs> before it's over. Uh, th th there, there's a lot of that uh, going on in market. And I wanted to circle back to, Something that, you know, we talked a little bit about how some of these platforms have upfront fees and there are, there's rev share going around. Um, have you ever seen where rev share is too high? I mean, I, I've seen some platforms that, for instance, for some of their tech partners, they require a 30% commission um, if someone signs up for something from their marketplace, perhaps, you know, signs up for one of these SaaS services. Um, you know, I, I know that for some companies, I, I've seen them be reluctant um, to partner just because it's not in their margins. It, it doesn't fit their, their model. They don't want to jack up their prices that much. Um, it, it's not what, where they want to be. Have you seen any issues where some of the sure. revenues get in the way? For sure. And, and, and a, a big part of what I do when it comes to the agencies I work with. So as I said, maybe 10 times already, building retainer models, okay? And the foundation of those retainer models are technology partners. Now, of course, I bring my um, toolkit and my list of recommendations 
options for best in class, whether it's personalization, SEO, email marketing, average order value, referrals, whatever the different topic is, but I bring my list of recommendations. But in some cases, you know, for for an agency, partnership sales is an equal third of their sales strategy, right? It's inbound, outbound and partnerships. So if they're taking partnership sales seriously, and, you know, one of my clients, they do, oh my God, it's like 25, 25K a month just on referral fees. Um, from the, you know, they're working with big technologies, they're working with big brands, um, but that's a legitimate part of, um, you know, their their income, their their cash flow. Um, so maybe it's a case if you're working with a technology partner and they're offering you X percent, um, but you're working with another technology partner and they're giving you a, a lump sum up front and then X percent after that, that definitely sweetens the deal. And in some cases for agency partners that are relying on their partnership sales as a revenue stream it, it absolutely does make the difference you know i can i can put a couple you know best in class two or three different options in front of them but ultimately you know in in that case when a lot of technologies are so similar if, if they're going to get if, if one is sweeter than the other i mean it's a bit of a no-brainer yeah and you know with that in mind i i'd add that if it's really part of your strategy for how you're earning new uh, customers, clients, subscribers, what have you, you know, regardless of which, who's paying who in, in this scenario. Uh, I think that you're going to have an expense, whether it's in sales for outbound sales to find these customers or, you know, for events where you've got a booth and you're signing up, you know, getting people into your, your sales funnel or whether it's for marketing to pay for, you know, Google ads and social media or, um, in, investing into a- any of these these sorts of things, regardless of what avenue it is, you have an expense. So, if you can just say that, look, we've got you know this much to to pay to bring on a new customer, if that's built into the model, mm-hmm. I don't necessarily see it as a negative that that goes to a partner. In many cases, I see it as a positive because they may have done a better job of you know vetting the customer uh, in, in advance of uh, you know of, of bringing right fit of you know of bringing value as a combined group and um, taking care of people together. So, you know, in some cases it's, it's a, an improvement. I mean, that's part of why I'm a partnership yeah. guy, <laughs> yeah. um, you know, that, that I see it as bringing something more valuable to the market, not just to the businesses involved, but to the, to the clients. Um, with that, something actually a, f- a funny one, you know, I spoke to a big project management tool recently um, and uh, they're, they're building out their partner program. And, uh, you know, one of the guys there I get on pretty well with, and we had an interesting conversation. He said he was, you know, building out what that package looked like. And he said, do you think that we should be offering our agency partners f- a free account on our technology? Um, and I look at a lot of technology platforms and they're amazing platforms and they offer discounted rates. So you get 20% off if you use our package and blah, blah, You know, that's nice. That uh, wouldn't be a reason for me to migrate from one email solution to another for sure. Um, and I said to him, absolutely you should, because if you want your agency partner to be an advocate of your technology, in this case, a project management technology, what better way to do that than ingrain that technology as part of their day-to-day as a solution to their in this case, project management solution. So when they're speaking with 
with a customer and potentially thinking about setting that in. The work is done because it's like, well, we're your agency and we, you know, eat, sleep and breathe this technology and it's changed our, the way that we, you know, operate or it's changed our, you know, the way that we handle clients or whatever it might be. And this is how it's going to be good for you. Um, a lot of, a lot of platforms seem to be really uh, comprehensive. Uh, they seem to like kind of, n- that's not a strategy, you know, it's about money and it's about referral fees and maybe mm-hmm. we'll do some stuff together. But I mean, as a, as a basic, I think that they should be getting their agency partnerships or partners to use their technology and be like a mini spokesperson or an advocate. Why not? I mean, what's it cost you really? It's not that expensive. Absolutely. As a web host, in some cases, depending on the partner, we're able to provide dev servers for their use. Um, there are other cases where we've got, uh, and some of these are evolving for us, but we're offering, you know, certainly uh, free audits for the, the clients of, of our partners. So we might be able to take a look at, at certain security uh, facets of a site or, or loading speed issues, you know, that relate to time to first byte and such. Or uh, in some cases, we may even be able to offer a free load test to make sure that they can withstand potential uh, upcoming traffic, like for the holiday shopping season. Mm-hmm. Um, we, want, um, we want to enable these partners to succeed with our team, with, with our stack. We don't need everyone to automatically sign on with JetRails, right? It's, you know, but we want to bring value to the relationship. We want um, our partners to shine, whether or not it always leads to a customer for us. It's got a, you know, th- we want a relationship that's deeper um, than just how many leads today, right? You know, how, how many customers did we sign up today? That's that's not a partnership to us. Um, obviously, we want to see growth as a company. That that's what you know we're we're here to do. But it, it, we want to do it in the confines of what makes sense and where we're bringing value to the ecosystem. Um, so, you know, it, if you're a merchant, well, uh, you know, put the shoe on the other foot uh, for a few minutes. What should you be looking for when you're choosing um, an e-commerce platform in terms of partnerships? It, there are a lot of platforms out there. I know we've talked about three of the uh, the more adopted ones. We've talked a lot about Magento and BigCommerce and Shopify. And, um, there are certainly uh, other new stacks that, that are evolving and that, uh, that are really interesting. Um, there are others that we run into in the open source world today like uh, you know i mean woocommerce certainly has adoption and, and is growing mm-hmm. uh you know automatic the company that owns wordpress and WooCommerce. webflow i mean webflow lot. is for me webflow is super exciting one um webflow is i started using webflow oh oh my god five six years ago when i was uh, running in that startup that aws solution i told you about and uh back then it was sort of like a platform that was aimed at designers who didn't really know dev and you know basic sort of html css type skills but you know sort of front-end designers if you will um and and now they've have this whole e-commerce um arm and they're absolutely killing it so it's platforms like that another example i met a guy a couple of months ago and he has a e-commerce platform specifically for uh veterinary clinics that's that's all he does and he's absolutely like he he can't get he can't get through the work quick enough. Um, I have a friend who's based in the UK, based in London, and he has a platform. It's an e-commerce platform, but it's specifically around content. Um, and he again he can't get the clients through his funnel quick enough. Um, so there's lots of different you know different technologies 
for for different types of different types of clients. So to answer your question, the merchant really, and again, kind of answered this earlier when we talked about the um, the requirement really is on the agency that a merchant comes to. So whether a merchant is coming to directly to an agency, coming directly to a platform, or coming to perhaps uh, a platform agnostic consultant who can do the recommendations and has more of a holistic overview of what the requirements look like and which technologies best suit those requirements. Um, but it's, it, this is due diligence. You need to really figure out what it is you're looking for. What does your roadmap look like? What does your, you know, your growth opportunities, your, 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 your mark, your go to market strategies, what does that look like for the next 12, 24 months? Mm -hmm. And which platform best meets those requirements? Once you can whittle that down, um, or in some cases, get, get an expert to do it. Like you're not, I don't need to be an expert in all these different platforms. Get an expert to come in and save you all the time and build out that brief and kind of point you in the right direction and say, well, if you go with these guys, this is what it looks like. And if you go with these guys, this is what it looks like. If you go with these guys, this is what it looks like. Um, because there's so many platforms out there. It's just finding the one that suits you best. Well, and I think some of it, you know, from my perspective has always been how reliant are you now and how, how reliant might you be in the future for apps or extensions or other third party integrations? Sure. And, you know, how, how much uh, of an appetite do you have to have to deal with that as a custom project each and every time um, versus having things off the shelf that the reason that, you know, these more adopted platforms come up as much is because, you know, Magento has always been the platform where there's an extension for that. There's uh, there's an already an integration to Magento's API for that, and so you're you're sitting in a a bit more of a power position for adopting new technology side by side with the platform, not just what's being added to the core directly, not just you know what's in the latest download of you know uh, of Magento, you know, as a core platform, but um, that that that's Certainly interesting. You know, one of the reasons that WooCommerce lagged behind for years was that off the shelf, you couldn't do nearly as much with it. Um, and then the available apps and extensions were also, you know, the available plugins were also not quite there. I think that as a platform, it's interesting to see that they are continuing to evolve um, and that they do still have some, some real market share, um, especially in the SMB space, and, and that I don't count them down for the count at all. Um, I, I think that there's, if anything, you know, growth in that market. Um, I, I think that, you know, some of the same that shop, part of what brought Shopify along, it's not necessarily that Shopify's core evolved as much. It's that over time, a lot of these companies that built technology for, you know, to integrate with Magento and others that they eventually, you know, they got around to Shopify. And so that made it more feasible for more of these merchants uh, I think a lot of cases that that's a big part of that requirement scoping. It's, you know, who's in their partner ecosystem and um, is there an agency that you can hire that you're comfortable with in that ecosystem that understands your needs? Um, you know, in, in, in these big platform ecosystems, chances are yes. In a smaller, newer platform, you might have to do a little bit of digging. They might only have a few agency partners, um, you know, that, that meeting someone that's going to, be a really good fit for you mm -hmm. could be a little bit tougher. So I, I think that it's, it's an interesting mix um, depending on where you go that the power of Magento for years has been in the community. I think some of these other platforms have absolutely 
uh, been, you know, working that, uh, that angle as well, like, like big commerce, uh, you know, like, you, you know, to some extent, uh, Shopify, um, you know, and, and, and I think, uh, you know, that, that others will continue to follow that, uh, that direction a bit, but, you know, you're, you're spending so much time with agencies. Um, do you think that, that the agency if you're tr- looking at agencies, do you think that looking for an agency that's partnered with the platform is crucial? Or do you think mainly looking at their portfolio, you know, that they've at least worked on several projects on the platform is more oh, important for sure. than, they, than the partnership? For sure. I mean, again, it's, this is like choosing a, you know, this is like a, r- a relationship, really. It's like choosing a spouse or, you know, a partner in, in life. You know, your part, you want to partner with somebody who's going to be what's best for you and the growth of your business. So for sure, for sure, you want to find somebody that's at least experienced and can demonstrate and showcase that experience. Um, this is a huge uh, shock for me and a huge bugbear. You know, I, I was in content for years and did copywriting and, you know, made a, a small fortune writing email copy and case studies and white papers and so on and so forth. And it's just absolute beggar's belief when I speak to agencies and I'm like, oh, so what projects are you working on? Oh, I worked on this amazing thing and I, this amazing brand and we achieved these results. And I'm like, it's not on your website. A brand is looking to see how he differentiates or how he make, how the agent or the brand makes a choice between this agency, this agency, or this agency. But if you're not loud and loud and saying that this is what we did and we did it really well and this is where that we're super strong and here's an example and these are the metrics and this is what it looks like, how is how is your potential you know next customer ever going to find out? Um, because that's what brands are looking for. Merchants are looking to see who is the best in that specific field. And a lot of times there's agencies that maybe aren't the best, the best, um, but they're super scrappy and they're vocal about the good work that they have done. And that's how they land amazing clients and amazing, amazing projects. Um, so, so yeah, for, from a merchant's perspective, I mean, that's their, their, their hunting ground. They're looking for the case studies and looking to see how you, how, what you're doing. Now, obviously writing a case study is a bit of an art. I've been doing it for years, so I know that. And most of the agencies that I work with, I give them templates of what they should be following. Um, there is a bit of a fine art to it, uh, but but the reality is it, it, it's very, very effective. I think I did, a, I did a podcast actually recently enough about case studies, and it's the third most effective marketing strategy next to events and webinars. Uh, uh, case studies are the third most effective um, strategy for sales, uh, for, for closing uh, deals and, and getting landing projects and clients. Hmm. Um so that, that, that's where brands are looking and agencies should take it as a massive priority to make sure that we're finishing these amazing projects that they're then vocalizing and sharing that with other people yeah, with their strategic partners specifically. And is there such a thing as too many partners? So, you know, we're maybe going back to Shopify for a moment. Shopify Plus has, uh, you know, maybe a more finite list of partners, but Shopify proper, the, you know, the main uh, you know, ver- cool. version targeting SMB yeah. that I don't, to my memory, the threshold for being a Shopify expert wasn't necessarily uh, all that high to, to meet. Um, is there such a thing in some of these ecosystems or for some of these agencies or such, um, you know, can you just wind up with more partners than you can manage than you can sure. quality control? 
for sure, for sure. Um, I think it's. I think this is something that SaaS are particularly guilty of. It's. It's again, it's volume versus value, and a lot of SaaS partners, you know, they kind of go to these events and make it rain business cards, and then all of a sudden, they've got you know a load of you know new partners. But if they're not, if it's not a proactive. It's not if it's not a reciprocal partnership, and you're not both, you know. Ha- a strategic partnership between an agency and a SaaS partner, there needs to be some sort of game plan. There needs to be expectations. It's not a case case of, you know, here's a referral code and send us leads. There needs to be something in place to nurture that relationship. It's like any relationship, whether it's with an agency in a platform, agency in SaaS, agency in merchant, a, a friendship, a business partnership, it needs to be nurtured. So it's all, the, the onus really is on the SaaS partner to build out what a 12-month sort of, Sort of partnership strategy looks like you need to be doing one quarter so whether that's a case study you know a mutual case study where you both worked on a brand together and what that looked like whether it's sort of a workshop a webinar a meetup you know something some sort of co-marketing activity now it's not it's not possible to do that with like the example i gave you earlier 500 agency partners that is that is just not possible um but if you have 50 uh, that that company specifically is huge. They're industry leader. But let's just say you have 50 or you have 10 amazing agency partnerships. Um, there's a technology called Gorgeous, uh, their customer service solution. And they, the partner manager there, a guy called Phil, really great guy. Um, but he has whittled it down to fine art. He knows um, some of the conversations we've had, you know, with uh, industry people. And people like him and other amazing partner managers, he specifically is a great partner manager he's whittled it down he knows what type of agency he has to go after he knows what agencies work really well for him he knows what activities work and convert well for both the agency and for him so he then just focuses um, on those specific types of agencies and those specific types of marketing activities um, and it's a win-win all around so it, it absolutely is about value and and nurturing it and, and putting the effort in not just you know let's just get as many bloody partners on board as we can and you know please god one of them works <laughs> or a handful of them work always that's, fun that's, to throw stuff frame, at the wall yeah. yeah um yeah throw, throw shit at the wall and see what sticks and please yeah. god it'll it'll work out but i mean that's just not that's not strategic we're talking about strategic partnerships here we're talking about strategic business strategic um efforts and, and co-marketing and initiatives just throwing shit at the wall and hoping it's going to work but that's not strategic at all. That's not, it's not profitable. Yeah, no, it's, it's true. And, you know, so as we start to wrap up with, with this episode, I'll ask, how do you find the right partners? Um, do you have some strategies that you evangelize for that? I, I know that I'm a big fan of trade shows um, that I, and events and what have you that I find that meeting in person, having a, a dialogue, then maybe, you know, following up with a more in-depth call where, you know, we compare some notes on, on, on each other's businesses and see if mm-hmm. there's alignment or not uh, between what we do and, and how we effectively bring things together that um, that some mix of that usually works. But, uh, you know, depending on where you're located and, and what your budgets are, you might not be able to be in the field quite as much. Um, you know, do you find that there's a, a good strategy for identifying um, and strategically, uh, you know, approaching some of these businesses mm-hmm. in order to partner? 
Absolutely. I mean, real 101, it's know your audience. That's, that's business. Uh, that's, that's business in general. So whether you're a merchant or SaaS or an agency, you got to know who your target, your target customer, who your ideal, what your ideal customer looks like. Once you have that defined, again, that's a lot of the work that I do with SaaS and specifically agencies is, is figuring out who they're, what, what their niche is, what their ideal target customer looks like. Once you have that figured out, the rest is, is, is much easier because then you can look at look at your ideal customer, immerse yourself in their world. What is important? What does their life look like? You know, which technologies work well for them or what are their pain points? And then figuring out what are the solutions to those pain points. As soon as you can kind of understand that and that, you know, at the core, that's what all agencies and SaaS partners should be doing. They should be as niche as physically possible. You know, it's no point being a jack of all trades and a master of none that that's just not effective. Again, it's not strategic. It's not very efficient. Um, like we discussed before the recording, military background, I'm all about efficiencies and streamlining stuff and being as strategic as possible. Um, so figuring out who's your ideal customer, what are their pain points, and then which other solutions fit into that. Once you have that defined, you can go after um, those strategic partners or potential strategic partners with a sort of a game plan and sort of say to them, look, I have these type of clients. You have similar types of clients. Why don't we work together to win that business together? Um, in terms of tips and tricks, you know, the, like the, when it comes to partnerships, I, I believe very firmly it's like a bank. You can't expect to make a withdrawal without making a deposit. Okay, that's, that's just unfortunately the way it is. So going to a prospective strategic partner that you want to work with and saying to them, look, I have this customer and I think your technology is going to work really, really well for them. Let's jump on a call and figure out what that looks like. Um, and that's a great way to kind of get your foot in the door and then figure out, okay, well, I have these types of customers, these types of customers. How can we work together to bolster our offering and better serve the customers we already have? And better still, how can we work together to win some of our, either our prospects or our warm, slightly lukewarm, cold leads? How can we do something really smart to, to figure out a strategy to win those together? Um, but ultimately, it's all, it's, partnerships is all about building relationships. So it's having a good fit with people, not making it all about business. It's not all about bottom line. You know, you need to be able to have fun with people and chat to people and enjoy those conversations. Um, but, but be strategic, you know, if you can make friends out of it as well, it's also great because you want to work with good people, but you want to enjoy what you do. <laughs> you want to wake yeah. up and, and, and want to, you know, go, go back in, you know, and, yeah. and fight just as hard uh, every day to, you know, move the needle and, and do good things out there. But I mean, I do find that, you know, one of the things that we strive for at, at jet rails and I, I do personally is culture um, that we want to partner with companies that we align with culturally that want to put the the client first whenever possible that um, that want to really be in a partnership that's multifaceted that's more than an affiliate relationship um, that there are times when it we just don't have alignment or we don't see how to find how to bring value together or, or how to tell a story together um, th that's going to be impactful that that's going to do something good in the world. And so like you say, you know, that, you know, sometimes you have to, like most things in life, you, you have to know uh, when to walk away uh, before mm -hmm. you invest resources when it's just not a, a good match. Um, but th this has been a, a fantastic conversation. Um, I, I always love talking partnerships. That's, <laughs> that's part of what, what gets, uh, you know, <laughs> gets me motivated every day. 
Um, so absolutely a, a pleasure. Any final thoughts to share before we... Uh, no, I mean, if there's any, it's, for example, I mean, like I said, don't, I don't really do much work with uh, SaaS partners anymore, not around building partnerships specifically. I, I have strategic partners in the US who specialize in this sort of stuff, but I do have templates and frameworks that SaaS partners, um, if they're trying to build out their strategic partnerships, they're not really sure where to start or they have sort of affiliate partnerships and they want something a little bit more meaty, then um, I'm more than happy, you know, they can touch base with you and I can send it your way. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's just getting started. Uh, partner, We're only scratching the surface with this topic. Partnerships really is it. For the e-commerce world, it makes the entire world go round if it's done properly. Um, but yeah, value versus volume—that is my—that's my final thoughts today. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much for joining. Thank you to our listeners. Uh, feel free to comment, like, share, uh, reach out to us with thoughts on social media at JetRails on LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook uh, at JetRails.com. Um, always love to hear from you about these episodes, about future uh, episodes. You know, videos are available on Facebook and on YouTube, and uh, certainly you can subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. So thank you and happy selling.